Welcome to episode 207 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we review State of Origin Game 3. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 207 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are uh, fresh off a State of Origin Game 3. Uh, as far as dead rubbers go, it was, uh, you know, it was somewhere between middle of the road and epic. Yes. I would say it, well, it wasn't. It wasn't a totally dead rubber. It wasn't a zombie. It wasn't a walking dead rubber. It mm. was. Uh, it was better than a dead rubber. Yeah. In fact, in fact, dead dead rubber, dead rubber, dead rubber. Because I, I heard that phrase about a million times in the commentary, and mm. how we don't like talking about dead rubbers. Yeah. So how did you feel about that dead rubber? Well, firstly, Doctor Tao, I just got to say, uh, buongiorno, viva Italia. Uh, to all of uh, you know Italians right around the world for obviously winning uh, the World Cup in the Euro, um, and uh, I think Queensland kicked it off early with the uh, Barty party um, because That's of right. uh, Queensland's own Ash Barty. And look, what a way to celebrate! They also finally won a- an Origin game, um, you know, in 2021. <laughs> and, and you know what? Look, um, you know, it's, you know, they've, they've clawed their way back. You know, the series. Uh, what what is the series? Um, actual for and against. It's like uh, what. Uh, <laughs> it's almost a hundred to hundred and something to yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so like, it's... but 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 you know, it's funny. Like yeah, we call the word dead rubber, and then I even heard Andrew Johns uh, talk about you know if anybody you know it, for the players, it's never a dead rubber, and and only um, non players know that it's a dead like you know that it's a dead rubber, and I'm like, you know, look, I do respect the opinion of Andrew Johns, but I, I do recall, I think I first heard the term dead rubber. By uh, by actually Wayne Bennett, when um, New South Wales had won two games in a row, and then um, you know he was I think coach of the Brisbane team, and he goes, look, um, you know he was sort of protesting the fact that they even have to play a third game because you know he's got so many players out, and he goes, yeah, look, I, I don't understand why they play um, the third game when you've already won the first two. Like you know, what's the point of a dead rubber? That's probably where I first heard the term dead rubber. So to have the rugby league. For, I, I, I very much dislike the us versus them mentality about the whole dead rubber scenario. But yeah, I, yeah, not happy with the term dead rubber. You know, I think to be honest, this was probably the most enjoyable game to watch in in the from the contest contest side of things. So, um, well, it was yeah, the closest. It was, kind of, <laughs> it was yeah, definitely it was the, the closest. closest. Yeah, and, and it was a thriller. It sort of came down to the end. There was, there was a, a lot of big hits. There was lots to talk about after the game, and um, you know, I saw. Um, I saw a report. It's uh, I can't remember the headline. It said everybody's a winner for State of Origin three. You know the Queensland get to win a game, New South Wales get to win a game. And I thought this is very, you know, this is very like uh, you know kid friendly, um, you know, experience when they play like you know Saturday sport 
And, that's right. You know, and, you know, Even that's, when you lose, you win. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The most, the most fear, you, you know, fiercest rivalry in rugby league has turned into, hey, everybody's a winner. Nothing really matters anymore. Like sort of. Uh, this is the danger of a dead rubber, isn't it? It's like you're playing playing for pride, and then right, at the end right. of it, it's like you won, but then you lost the series. So mm. I'm sorry, we're just going to present you the shield to the opposing team, yeah, exactly. <laughs> even even though you won and they're depressed because they lost yeah. the game right now, but they still get the shield. It's so <laughs> it's a bit ridiculous. But look, you know, yeah, you mentioned the other sports of obviously a lot of stuff happening worldwide, and you know, uh, the Italians uh, took the "it's coming home." Uh, mm. English phrase and turned it into it's coming Rome uh, after winning that one and it's coming to Rome and look I guess the Gold Coast turning into it's coming to Rabina because mm. uh, that's uh, you know anyway look <laughs> a lot of stuff happened last week uh, you know even prior to State of Origin 3 so even though we're going to focus on the game and, and reviewing the game and I guess you know a little bit of a, a reflection of the entire series maybe um, it is it would be remiss of us not to talk about some of the very massive pieces of news that have happened uh, since our last podcast so obviously the first one relates to State of Origin 3 which is uh, the, the location of it so it was meant to be at uh, in Newcastle and then because of the uh, the extension of the lockdown and other sort of things happening in Sydney and New South Wales they decided to relocate it to the Gold Coast so for the first time ever all three games were to be held in the one state uh, mm. You know, obviously the first game was in Townsville, the second one was at Suncorp, and this one was uh, going to be, and it was held at uh, Gold Coast, uh, what's it called, Rabina Stadium or, uh, yeah, whatever it's called, Seabus um, <laughs> or, no, no, it's the other one, yeah. um, whatever it is, the Gold Coast one, anyway, um, and look, uh, yeah, so there's that, but there's also, oh, so that's right, C, it's called the Seabus Super Stadium, that's what it's called, the official title. Um, in the Gold Coast there. So here was an opportunity for the Blues to, uh, you know, put put the Queenslanders to the sword, 3-0, go 3-0 up, whitewash a clean, sle- clean sweep with, uh, for the first time ever, all of those games being held in opposition territory. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't to be, um, but... Uh, it was a 20 to 18 win to the Maroons. So, Tish, I'm just going to go right ahead and let's just dive into it and explore mm. and unpack what happened in game three, won by the Queensland Maroons. So, here we go um, 20 to 18, and the score was uh, it was two tries. Um, well, actually, it was three, it was three tries to two. I don't know how that works. Um, Hang on. Oh, no, sorry. Three tries each. It was three tries each. Uh, mm. Ben Hunt scored two. Uh, Hamaso Tabuai Fido scored one as well for Queensland. Uh, conversions, one to Valentine Holmes and two to Dudley Cherry Evans and a penalty goal as well to Valentine Holmes. And to New South Wales, Latrell Mitchell, Jack Whiten and Apisai Kurosawa scored the tries and three conversions to Latrell Mitchell and uh, zero from one penalty goal. So uh, Latrell Mitchell missed a penalty goal in the 70, 78th minute mm. <laughs> from about, what, 50 metres? It was about halfway, 50 metres out. And uh, unsurprisingly, he missed it. It just fell short. It was online. It was on track, but it just fell short. Uh, now, 
let's look before we go into the the, the nitty gritty of other things. Let's just focus on that being the main kind of uh, controversy. Would you have gone for a penalty at eighteen? At twenty points to eighteen, with two minutes to go, you have a chance. You have a bit of the ascendancy. You've just scored the the latest try. You know, ten minutes earlier, you've got a bit of momentum. If you were New South Wales, would you have gone for the two points in an almost impossible penalty situation from fifty meters out? Would you have done that, Tish? Well, I, I wouldn't have done that because I don't know if I could kick that far. Um, <laughs> no, that's right. not what I mean. No, yeah, I yeah. Mean, if you were the coach, if you were sending the message out to yeah. the team that was out there uh, at State of Origin three, would you have said, "Give it to Latrell. Mm. He he can kick it. He's got a big boot on him." Would you have done it? Yeah. Well, well, look. What I think what what happened was I think Latrell Mitchell was actually inspired by. Labler, the other, the Blues, which is the French rugby team, who the night before had kicked a 50-meter goal, and I think won it by a penalty uh, as well, right? So um, so I figured that, that maybe that might have came, came into it or something, but I found it to be very, very bizarre, particularly after I think it was like a minute or two later, right, Like or previously to that, uh, you know, the Blues had easily... Um, what you know, we're able to score in a try after a couple of you know really good runs from from from, from Turbo. So I, I figured, you know, let's just get the ball down, and within a set of six, I'm sure we could score a try. Do you get know what I mean? Like, so mm. um, I did find it, uh, I did find it crazy. And then the other part about it was the whole um, was the whole uh, you know the, the whole he he couldn't. Well, I mean, it was a long kick, but then. He ended up not even uh, kicking it out. It actually, like, I think it fell short. So he was accurate, but it fell short. And then the whole, you know, well, if it was in the first minute of the game, he would have kicked it, you know. But because it's, you know, the legs are tired and everything like this. And look, fair enough. I I do understand that mechanics, but why go for it? Yeah, I I, I agree. Why go for it? I mean, it it just boggles the mind. You would think Hmm. that, uh, you know, the last time we were in this situation – and we had to win in the last minute. We did, and that was in 2019. Mm. Um, we scored it. We, you know, you the famous, uh, you know, Tedesco, Tedesco last minute try after a yeah. big passage of play. You know, and we had the ascendancy, and we had the potential. Now, I'm not certainly not suggesting that it was any more likely than us not getting a try because if you – and then mm. we will go into it, the rest of the match, what went wrong mm. for New South Wales and why, what, why Queensland won and whatever, we'll go into that. But uh, mm. all that being said, it when it came down to it, um, I think just an epic an epic blunder up there with, uh, with uh, the English soccer coach putting three rookies into the penalty shootout situation. Mm. Uh, look, you kind of don't – it's a it's a total blunder, I think. Yeah. And I think um, it didn't need to happen. I think if they had just kicked it to the sideline and given ourselves a chance to get, you know, 30 metres, five, six tackles, possibly even more given the amount of bloody six agains that we saw. Um, well, mm. not necessarily in New South Wales's favour, but we certainly saw a lot for Queensland, or it felt that way. Um, you know, there was there was definitely cause for a bit of anger, I think, yeah. by Blues fans uh, thinking, why, why would we do that? Like, that was... 
to finish the series on the dumbest of of uh, strategies, <laughs> I think is just unbelievable. But look, mm. let me just go through well, a well, bit well, of the highlight. Yep, sorry, go ahead. Before, just to sort of cap off this incident, uh, let's sort of pontificate a little bit on a Nexus event where we go off this timeline and into a, a variant reality, right? <laughs> where, you know, where New South Wales decide not to uh, not to go for this kick, but instead decide to go for the try. Um, and then in the end, they don't get it, okay? And then, you know, the scoreline is exactly the same. I don't think anybody would ever be talking about, oh, mate, New South Wales, they had a 50-meter kick. They should have taken the kick. You know, I believe in that alternate universe, there would not be anybody questioning that decision. You know, the, the only reason why we're questioning it is the fact that they went for it and it didn't work. But but I feel like the alternate would have, you know, even if they would have lost out in the alternate, nobody would have gone, oh, what a golden opportunity to tie up the game. Like, it wasn't a golden opportunity. It was it was a uh, it was a ridiculous opportunity. Well, what do you say? Like, it was a... It was well, just it was, a, it was it was a long shot either way. It was a long shot. It was a long shot. Yeah. It was it was it was what the Brisbane Broncos were doing two years ago, the night before the big semi final against Parramatta at the Crown Casino. That's what it was. That's you know, right. it was all in on a kick. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's let's get on to the to the rest of it. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. No. Before I before I go on to the the kind of the chronological highlights of the match, look, I, there's always there's every chance as well that that a, a little uh, the little schema Apisai Coruscant could have mm. extracted a penalty anyway. Mm. Um, mm. He was just in that kind of a mood towards that that stage of the game, but and there was any there was absolutely every chance that the Maroons would have had a brain explosion and done something stupid and given away a penalty anyway with, uh, you know, and then you wouldn't have had to then give the ball up to them with a few minutes to go. So really, really sort of silly, uh, silly play there. But anyway, let's get on to it. So look, the match started with a an initial uh, penalty to the Maroons, uh, set them up for 2-0. And then soon after that, so that was in about the fourth minute, Mm. And look, I've got to say, the first fifteen minutes, it was. Yeah. Uh, By the way, the pretty... penalty was for lying in the ruck. So, um, so yeah. So look, we we need it to have was... more honest rugby league players um, around because <laughs> we cannot stand for lying, particularly <laughs> in a ruck situation. So yeah, they need to learn how to roll away, and <laughs> Cameron Murray didn't know how to do that. So that's, that's apparently what happened. Look, and I've got to say the first 15 minutes, it was pretty – look, it was a pretty even contest. Uh, and and what I what I did notice that there was a few few epic plays in a row from uh, Latrell Mitchell, yet again sort of mm-hmm. it, at the beginning anyway of the match, sort of uh, stamped his mark on the occasion. And, you know, he started off with the, the try in, at nine minutes. It was a pretty good try. Um and uh yeah, so that that then led the blue the blues led six two. Um not long after that, in the eighteenth minute, the tr- the Maroons tied it up and then converted to get eight six ahead. Uh so that was about the twenty minute mark, and that was a try by Hamasau Tabuai Fido. Um, the hammer. The hammer they call him, which is obviously a lot easier to, to say than his actual name. Yeah. And um, you know what? He went untouched. Uh, so hammer time, Blues couldn't touch it. <laughs> they couldn't touch this. That's right. 
can't I can't believe the the commentary team did they I didn't hear them say that it was yeah. unbelievable um look and then the first of the you know the puzzling decisions in the 31st minute uh an absolutely epic uh I, look, I thought it would have been an epic try save by Brian Toll, who basically uh, stuffed up a. Um, uh, did he? Uh, I think he stuffed up the uh, the jump for the ball. It went backwards from him. Uh, the 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 Maroons kicked it to his side. He jumped up. He mucked it up. It went behind him, and then I think it was was it Gagai? Uh, I believe mm. tried to mop up yeah, the ball. Yeah, tried to. Yeah, that's right. And. Uh, and basically, it was Gagai and Toll who were ch- chasing the ball. Yeah, it looked like for all money Gagai was going to get it, and Toll out of nowhere uh, <laughs> rushes and jumps in, and basically it ends up being a Gagai knock on. And and I thought, you know, end of story, uh, whatever. But then then you see a uh, um, a penalty being given to Queensland because apparently Latrell Mitchell. Now I didn't know this was called this, but it's the escort rule, which uh, it's basically mm. he tried to stand in the way of a runner. Now and then the runner, I don't know if the, this runner fell down or kind of was mm. veered off path a little bit. Look, it was the most innocuous of, uh, it, and I know mm. Latrell Mitchell does do some grubby things sometimes, and he definitely, um, you know, sometimes does get in the way. And in fact, all game him and uh, Gay Guy had a very much a. Uh, you know, it was the contest, to be honest, that was more an enjoyable contest than the actual New South Wales versus Queensland contest because you could you could, you could tell it was just, uh, you know, the South Sydney boys getting at each other and, um, and literally, you know, every now and again they'd rub each other's face in the dirt and, and just uh, almost start a fight. But, you know, at one point even uh, Ray Warren in the commentary team said, oh, you know, it wasn't real punch-up. It was they were doing it out of love for each other. It just looked like they were just <laughs> mucking around, which is exactly what it looked like from the beginning. It was They were just geeing each other up, um, in particular Latrell Mitchell. But on this occasion, I don't think – I don't know. From what I saw, he—I don't think he was really standing in the way of the, of the runner. It looked like he was, uh, you know, it's kind of stood his ground a little bit. You know, I've seen, I've seen lesser, you know, worse worse things being let go on the basketball uh, court. You know, mm. so give me a break. Like it just looked really ridiculous. So this is another example of where the bunker, I think, overanalyzes. Um, you know. Certain things, and and look, I'm not suggesting the Queenslander dived, but there was a little bit of milking these kinds of uh, penalties. And um, anyway, so this ended up rather than being a Blues ball, ended up being a Queensland ball. Um, and not long after that, they got another penalty, but the halftime score ended up staying eight six. So despite all of that drama. Uh, it was still only uh, the scores from the first 20 minutes that mattered. So 8-6 at halftime, you'd think going into it, you know, the Blues would have thought they were lucky to be in this game. Um, and I would have thought that coming out of the halftime break that they would have had a, a bit of a G up. And, you know, definitely from the very beginning, you could tell that the, the Blues were uh, – I don't know what's the right way to put it, Tish, but I reckon they, they were stifled in attack. They did not know how to get the ball to the centres, let alone the wingers. Mm. Um, it's clearly the lack of combination in the halves had yeah. everything to do with it. In fact, Whiten 
um, you know, even after the halftime break, it, it just looked like he just didn't know what he was doing. He made so many errors. He was criticised multiple on multiple occasions by Andrew Johns for um, uh, his poor decision-making in, in, for example, uh, kicking the ball too long, kicking it dead in yeah. goal, and therefore giving the Queenslanders an, a seven-tackle seven, uh, uh, set. Yeah. Um, rather than doing the logical thing, which is put pressure, weight the kick appropriately so that you can actually put pressure on them and pin them down in their in-goal area. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, usually what happens when when uh, people are nervous, I think, and they're kicking balls like that, they their their legs become like lead, and the and the ball goes flying. You, you don't get nuanced uh, kicks yeah. with uh, people who are nervous, and I think that's probably what it was. I think all the pressure just got to Jack Wyden. Uh, yeah. Having said that, in the forty eighth minute, he scored a pretty good try. Um, he had to beat a few players to get in, but it was. Uh, um, it, it was a pretty good try at the end of a bit of a passage of play, a few wide passes, a pretty good wide pass from Damien Cook, if I remember, a 20-metre pass or so, and a, a bit of a dummy out to Mitchell Moses, and he just went straight over uh, with three players hanging off him, and it was fairly easy in the end. So some good effort there from Jack Wyden, and that led, uh, that meant that the Blues led 12-8 after the 49th minute, but not long after that, the Maroons uh, hit back with... A pretty good try from Ben Hunt, where he burrowed his way over um, close to the line. Payne Haas, too big, wasn't able to get down low enough. Um, So Ben Hunt scored the first of his two tries. And not long after that, in fact, only about six minutes after that, he scored the second of his two tries um, from... uh, Well, this this was from a a Kalen Ponga uh, move where he sliced through the right. There was a bit of a um, pinballing, they called it. Um, mm. And then a set restart, which uh, quickly shifted the ball right. And uh, the, the Blues were out on out on their feet on the right side of the defense. And, and Ben Hunt capitalized. I think it was, again, Payne Haas that missed the, the obvious tackle with Ben Hunt coming through. So uh, Hunt. Two Haas nil um, on that re- on that front, and uh, with Daly Cherry Evans kicking it, 65th minute we had a 20 to 12 lead going into the final critical 15 minutes. We had a couple of other kind of pretty big things happen. So not long after that, Munster makes a meal of a uh, a 40 20 kick and kicks it out on a full, which <laughs> gives a gives the Blues a chance, which they eventually after a couple of sets capitalized on with Apsai Carousel. Um, pretty amazing, uh, amazing thing is it was Mitchell Moses kicking for his mm. winger and it bounced in a particular way and uh, it was Apsai versus, I think, I think it may have been Gagai or, or potentially uh, Valentine Holmes, I think. And um, and basically, yeah, he just, uh, he just got there a split second earlier and uh, it was just an amazing, amazing try to see. Please watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, and also look at Freddie's reaction in the mm. in the coaching box. It was just amazing. And look, with the try converted, that meant a 20 to 18 scoreline at the 68th minute. <clears throat> and then, as I said, the Blues, a few attacking waves, a few, uh, another opportunity actually for the bunker to, to apply and the escort rule in the Blues' favour, but it wasn't to be, unfortunately. Um, 
Although I think this one was more obvious than even the one that was given to the Queenslander. So maybe the bunker realised their mistake and then uh, corrected <laughs> corrected for that by not giving the Blues a penalty there. And as we said, the rest is history, which is the uh, the the shocking decision to to take a to tr- mm. to attempt a fifty metre field uh, a penalty goal, which uh, failed. And then after that, it was just a case of winding down the clock. And Queensland once again prevented a clean sweep. And at the end of the day, the Blues win the series two one. The first two games were an absolute massacre, and this third game, I think they were well and truly brought to the back of the pack, back to the Queenslanders on for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll put my reasons forward and then I'll hand over to you, Tish, to sort of question or see what you think. But I think obviously the main thing is without Luai and Cleary there, we had a very uh, stifled attack. There was none of that kind of running game that Luai and Cleary are renowned for and, and gelled so well in games one and two. Uh, to me, that was the main reason. I mean, the forwards pretty much, you know, there was no, not too much difference in in the quality that we saw in the rest of the, the pack. Um, Cameron Murray doing his thing. Payne Haas got some good yards. Da- Damien Cook did uh, did some pretty excellent passing as well. Um, and because the, the halves were stifled, we saw virtually nothing from Turbo, Tommy Turbo. We saw um, Teddy trying to do what he usually does, which is he's quick, he's agile, he he does have very fast acceleration, but at the end of the day, he he never he hardly passed the ball when required. So again, it was like a bit of one out running. Latrell Mitchell did his best to come up with some um, game turning plays at the beginning, but he kind of fell away towards the end. There got a bit too caught up in the Dane Gagai kind of uh, rivalry in my mind. Mm. And and at the end of the day, Addo Carr and Toll had nothing to do unless it came out their way defensively. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's all down to the six and seven. So, look, at the end mm. of the day, we need to look at what, why were Whiten and Mitchell Moses picked when there was an opportunity to put a, a renowned and proven in an origin arena um, – halves combination of uh, Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds. Ironically, Adam Reynolds could have probably kicked that 50-meter field uh, penalty goal as well. He has a bit bit of a boot on him as well. Um, And from the Queensland side, well, some of the players that were out of position earlier were in the right position now. Capewell out of the centers really helped them a lot. And everyone's talking about Kalen Ponga and, and how he was a bit of a game changer. And certainly he added a lot in attack. Um, there was a very interesting uh, scenario where Tommy Turbo could have dummied and got strolled over with uh, you know maybe 15, 20 meter run to the try line. Instead, he decided to pass it to Teddy on the inside, and Kalen Ponga anticipated it and jumped forward and uh, basically knocked it knocked it forward, thus preventing mm. a, a try. Um, the question was Tommy Turbo didn't realize that there was no one in front of him. He could have just – he had almost dummied. Um, so mm. Kalen Ponga, again, that was a bit of luck of the he draw. He dummied I think. himself. He dummied himself. He just uh, – yeah. So, look, mm. at the end of the day, Kalen Ponga, definitely a plus for Queensland. We would love to have had him have him in uh, the, mm. the blue side. So would New I, Zealand, where he's from. Where actually. he's actually from, yeah. Um, let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> but, but to me, the real story was – 
uh, I guess it's a decision that Freddie made to stick with players that were in and around the squad, thinking that they had the players mm. to do the job, as opposed to, um, given the critical nature of those two positions, to go for a tried and tested combination that knew what they were doing, uh, have been there before. Uh, in many ways, Mitchell Moses, you know, debut kind of in, in this kind of pressure cooker environment. Jack Whiten uh, hasn't really been proven in this um, position before, playing out of position, not even playing well for his club this year. So there are so many reasons why they shouldn't have done it and the results were borne out. So I'm going to hand it over to you to talk about any of that, but especially I want to hear your views on the six and the seven Mm. and, uh, you know, was that the right decision and, um, yeah, how important do you think that was in, in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, well, look, uh, I think it's, um, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably get to that uh, because it is, it is. Uh, I think I saw very similar to what you saw and, um, you know, probably have a different way of putting it. But look, I do have to say that the Queensland team, yes, uh, I think they gained quite a lot. Um, so, so with the changes they made, and I didn't really, it didn't really click to me until I actually saw the way they played, right? So, so what they did is that they 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 picked Callum Ponger at fullback, right? Um, and then as a result, they lost Valentine Holmes uh, as a fullback, but they gained him as a winger, right? And I know he only played for the first forty minutes, but you know, just for example, I saw that uh, you know there was a there was a uh, set, uh, you know, uh, I think it was either Moses or White. No, I think it was White who kicked it dead. Um, but Valentine had the ball, and because he's not fullback retrieving the ball all the time, he had a lot more energy, and he just absolutely, uh, you know, exploded from the 20 meter zone, right? And I think there was a penalty that went down the field. Then there was another opportunity where he kind of, um, you know, he kind of was, uh, I think he, he actually scored, a, it was a, like a disallowed try, um, but he got in their face sort of thing. So, you know, the fact that he was more in the defensive line, he, he just posed a bigger threat. So I thought, wow, that's that's kind of good. And then he also got Kalen Ponger. I think also Ben Hunt, who did get man in the match, um, was a very effective in um, sort of helping the team organise themselves around the park. Um, obviously, DCE can play that role too. Um, but then I think Ben Hunt kind of played that role as well. And then it kind of allows, takes the pressure off DCE a little bit um, to sort of play a more, um, you know, eyes up sort of game, which is obviously also Cameron Munster's uh, MO as well, right? So Mm. so they were obviously able to do, uh, have a lot more creativity in their attack than what um, New South Wales did. And they, I've got to say, when, when there were the situations where um, New South Wales had to defend their line, um, they, they, it didn't seem like the blue wall of game one and two. Um, it felt a bit more vulnerable. And uh, I think part of it is that the Queensland certainly did pick that up. Um, and I think similar sort of gains were made by moving Capewell back Yes, they lost him as a centre, but they also gained him as a second rower as well. And, you know, he, he sort of performed in that sort of state. Um, interestingly, I did see, um, a, you know, uh, the top out of the out of the highest paid players in the NRL, uh, three of, like, you know, out of the top four, three of them were actually playing for Queensland uh, last night. So that was also a big uh, interesting sort of thing. So, you know, obviously... Um, 
you know, th- they are a good team, you know, so so we can take that. So so I think Queensland obviously did improve in that space. space. And I think um, if I go back to, I, I kind of feel like the game was decided between talent, raw talent versus effort. Because I felt like at every moment where it sort of counted, I felt like Queensland just showed a little more extra effort than what uh, New South Wales did. Um, at the end of the day, it is a two-point deficit, which comes down to a penalty goal. Um, but I think there were lots of moments there where New South Wales had their chances, but you know either it was like a poor decision making, or just um, you know Queensland away, but beat them to the ball or something like that. That that sort of um, proved the difference. Um, and it's interesting that that probably may came down to that there was probably. Um, more on the line for Queensland than what there was for New South Wales. So maybe that extra incentive caused that sort of change in them a little bit. So maybe that's what, what it was. Um, you you brought up the New South Wales halves, and um, I, I kind of feel sorry for both uh, Moses and White. I, I feel like they were in a very difficult uh, position. And look, to be honest, it only occurred to me after the end of the game. But, you know, if I think about... Um, if I think about the number of times, uh, you know, Queensland, like New South Wales were tackling a Queensland player on the first tackle, um, you know, within the 20 metre zone of Queensland, I don't think there was like hardly any. So that kind of showed me that, I mean, I know Moses and uh, Whiten have good kicking games, but not really renowned for like positioning their team in the right positions like sort of managing the you know where we are on the field and where we are in the game they're not really that type of player so and really there was nobody there that was kind of you know the Cleary role like Cleary he is a great creative half now as well got a good running game and everything like that but obviously his kicking game and making sure that the set finishes the way it needs to set so that um, New South Wales are uh, you know in a position to to pin Queensland down defensively or to um, get a set restart or get a you know or, or get the ball again um, in an attacking position like I think Cleary did you know sort of he takes that responsibility on and he did that but I think for New South Wales they had uh, they might have had too many players that um, that are good at just seeing what's in front of them and playing and uh, and I don't think you could I think the balance is a bit wrong like I think if you think about it like White's strength is his running game I think Moses his strength is his running game too right um, because really the organising at Parramatta gets handled by Dylan Smith but, uh, most of the time, right? Dylan Brown, sorry. Dylan Brown, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, so then uh, and then outside of them, uh, both Turbo and Luttrell, I mean, they're also, um, you know, they're better with the ball in hand than passing. <laughs> and that is why <laughs> Brian Torhol, he did not get the ball in any attacking position at all. Like, the only time he got the ball was like, you know, hitting it up. <laughs> Right in his own zone, right? Yeah, and I was like, you know, and then like we scored two tries, uh, I think, in the first game by cutout passes, and and he'd score in the corner. We didn't even do that, (laughs) like once, you know. And um, I don't think Adokar got the ball in an attacking position as well, right? Or um, no, he he did get it a few times, but it was more, it was more like there was a counter attack, or or there was there was definitely some space in front of him. On a couple of occasions, but um, but yeah, the, no, you're right. There was no uh, the the speed with which we we were mm. going through the back line in the in the first two games. Yeah, I think was 
is the reason why we saw, you know, Tommy Turbo winning the the Wally Lewis medal for best player in the series, you Mm. know, where he was absolutely quiet in game three compared to games one and two. And, and, and with the exception of that kind of break where he almost scored that try and, um, and, and Callum Ponga knocked down that ball. Uh, Look, Mm. With the exception of that, he virtually did, in my opinion, nothing compared to, you know, even compared to his team. I mean, Latrell Mitchell was probably the best of our back line. Um, and you're right. I think the for whatever reason, Mitchell and Whiten weren't, sorry, um, yeah, Mitchell Moses and White and Jack Whiten yeah. didn't really do the passing. Uh, they didn't really organize the back line that well. For some reason, they... It just it got halfway there, and then the Queenslanders were all over them. And they and part of the reason for that is that they just they were just too slow to kind of pass it along. And mm. so you didn't. You're right. You ha, you need those cutout passes. You need the strength of of a Cleary. And in fact, Luai, even though he didn't necessarily do that, he played the role in the first two games of that creator. And so he would run to the line, find a space, yeah. and then cut back in. And all of a sudden, Tommy Turbo's there, you know. And how many times did did they do that? So many times, and it always worked. So, um, yeah, you're right. I think the 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 ineffectiveness of the halves, I think, had a lot to do with it. But look, one of the things I want to ask you is: usually, they say, "Well, the halves can only do their job if the forwards do their job and get us momentum." Did you think that the New South Wales forwards were, you know, in comparison to Queensland in Game Three, were they out muscled? Were they out outplayed is that a reason why you know did they not get the momentum that they did in games one and two what do you think yeah um it's um like you know if you look at the running meters i think some of the new south players are new south Wales players are there as well like uh, i think actually i think tedesco got got 230 so he actually outran them so look i think it was a much more even contest than other games i, I think new south Wales had their way in previous games, but they, um, but I think this was a lot tighter contest. Um, I think that I think there was a a real increase in the performance of Quintus. So I think it was fairly even. Um, New South Wales had their chances. I mean, uh, you you did bring up the fact that um, you know Turbo the try line was was completely open. I mean, there was another incident where he was uh, you know uh, intent on on you know batting the ball back, where I think Andrew Jones made the comment, "Well, if he just would have." Caught the ball and landed, he would have scored, right? You know, he was he was over the line when he batted back. So, so they had their opportunities, um, and I think they got themselves into position. Um, you know, it's like I think for a forward, if you uh, if you could if you could get the ball to the point where it's thirty to forty meters out, and then you know on the fifth tackle we give it to your half, and then they kick the ball dead, <laughs> right? <laughs> It right, just feels like, like yeah, what a yeah, waste ex- of time. It, 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 yeah, exactly. And I think that kind of happened. And you know, and I think the other one is like when obviously Queensland, if they've got three or four sets in a row, and the forwards, and I mean the whole team repels, repels the uh, the attack. Then when you get the ball back and that set coming coming out of out of all that danger, you know, if you don't get a good kick at the end, which we I don't think they did. Um, where you're back into the you know into the Queensland uh, you know you know 20 meter zone or, or anything like that. There wasn't a time when New South Wales were able to turn it around. Um, mm. So I kind of yeah I kind of think that it, it I think it boils down to the kicking game of the Blues. Um, and look I don't want to actually blame 
the two particular players because I because I don't think the, the issue came from there. I think the issue comes from their selection. Um, that I think you could have you could have picked one, um, or you could have picked the other, but I don't think you could you should have picked both. You probably should have gone for somebody that is, you know, that's they that's used to, you know, that's an organizer that plays with Whiten or somebody who, um, you know, or if you picked Moses, you know, pick maybe another five A that is a bit more organizing, uh, mm. you know, like rather than picking, um, you know, rather than picking two that are sort of more, um, you know, great ball runners, but not really, um, as you said, like the Toho or the Cleary, uh, you know, Cleary is, I suppose, the game manager. Tor is the, uh, you know, create. Luai, Luai. Luai, yeah. So, Luai, create for another, you know, he, you know Luai is read out for creating opportunities for other players, right? So, um, which is, I think, probably the, that's his strength. Whereas, if you think about a player like Tommy Travoy, his strength is being able to create opportunities for himself. He can create for others, but I, I wouldn't call it his, you know, his dominant, um, you know his his dominant sort of uh, mode of operation sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. So look, um, yeah, but, look, yeah. But there you go. No, no. I was going to sorry. I was going to say let's before we kind of wrap up. I just wanted to let's. You said about the kicking, so I wanted to dive into maybe some quick mm-hmm. stats uh, as well. So I'm just looking at the NRL.com website, and so everyone can see these stats for themselves. But um, I think the stats tell an interesting story as well about what happened. So if I just look at the kicking section, uh, I'll go through it quickly. So New South Wales had 25 kicks versus 21 for Queensland. The kicking metres, 562 versus Queensland, 691. So they kicked a lot further, probably because they had to in some situations. The Blues got three forced dropouts, uh, which were good results versus only one for Queensland. Kick diffusal. So this is percentage of the kicks that were diffused, uh, you know, Basically ineffective, I would say. Um, 71% of those uh, is what the Blues got and 44% is what Queensland got, which means that the Blues were much more likely, their kicks were much more likely to be ineffective uh, and diffuse quite easily. Seven bombs to four, so the Blues having seven, and nine grubbers to one. <laughs> so probably that had a lot to do with the kick diffusals and didn't i say that the nuanced kicks generally uh you know if you're nervous or 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 not playing um you know in any way playing kind of in in an experienced way the nuanced kicks are going to be much harder to do so that tells Mm. me that when they were close to the line they obviously tried to do a few grubbers they didn't work we saw lots of um in fact at one point i have to admit i i did mention as I was watching, I, I mentioned the the word Mitchell Pierce twice. Uh, when <laughs> as Mitchell in you Mo- wanted his selection? Sorry, no, no. <laughs> as in when Mitchell Moses kicked the ball, and it was a bomb that was easily diffused by the fullback. I said, "Why would Mitchell Pierce do that?" You know, and <laughs> it's the ghost of Mitchell Pierce. It's wow. uh, <laughs> look. There's something to be said about the name Mitchell. Um, mm. It's just uh, an ineffective kick, kicker of the ball in a rugby league state of origin. But mm. I, I was very disappointed. But you know that look, the stats bear that out. That whatever the the Blues tried to do, whether they did grubbers or even bombs, uh, didn't seem to work. Um, now, obviously, what you don't see in the stats is the reason why that often doesn't work is poor decision making. Uh, wrong direction, uh, not weighted properly, 
when it comes to the those bombs that go nowhere, you know, maybe there's not enough kick chase happening, not enough runners, maybe the, the halfback is too deep when he kicks it, all that kind of stuff. You can't see very readily in the stats, but you see it when you watch the game. And and to me, that what you mentioned there about the kicking being ineffective. The other thing I want to say is we never talked about the kicking in games one and two because we didn't need to because we ran the ball. Mm. We used our strengths and we ran the ball. And this is the difference is that here we're talking about kicking and it telling the story. It probably wasn't necessary to talk about in games one and two because it was all about the rest of the play and the running of the ball. And on that, let me just go to the stats on that as well. So um, in terms of runs, well, the Blues had... 194 to 173 runs. So they had more runs overall. Much more run meters, 1676 versus 1464. So, you know, when they needed to, they ran further. Post contact meters, again, the Blues ahead, 575 to 484, which tells you that, you know, it wasn't the case that uh, the forwards were getting beaten back. And, you know, that tells me that the forwards actually were making ground mm. more so than Queensland because that's where usually you get the post-contact metres. It's where the first tackle comes in and how much further can they go up the field. Then you get line breaks, 5-3 Queensland's way. Yeah. Tack- but then tackle breaks, 42-31 New South Wales's way. So there's a bit of back and forth. You've got a few differences in kick return metres and average set distance. But um, and play the ball speed is you know very much very close, but that's that's very interesting that we had more of the post contact meters at least a fifth more, and yet we couldn't do anything with it. So all of those things put together tell me that um, you know we had opportunities to run the ball. Instead, we chose to kick them, <laughs> to kick the ball, and and obviously we're making we were making poor decisions. So look yeah. without. Without further overanalyzing this game, because uh, it is a dead rubber after all, uh, but <laughs> let's not get into. But, but look, look, the tale is is very interesting because the ultimately, in my mind, it comes down to poor decision making from Freddie Fittler. Um, we had the series one, so probably he thought now's the time to blood Mitchell Moses is probably going to be the long term answer at number seven or as an or as an understudy to Nathan Cleary so you may as well kind of involve him now um you know in the event that next year Cleary gets injured again you're going to need to bring in someone new you can't always rely on Adam Reynolds or someone else has been there before I understand that but on this occasion I think the opportunity was there to bring in the Rabbitohs pair to have a you know to pair them up with Damian Cook um, Latrell Mitchell, you mm. know, who plays fullback or sometimes plays fullback for the the Rabbitohs. It could have been, you know, an almost entire Rabbitohs spine. Mm. You wouldn't have had a question of, um, you know, and, and Cody Walker is known for his running of the ball and, and creativity. So, yeah. whereas Jack Whiten is not. <laughs> He's more of a running, running centre. So mm. it would be the equivalent of putting a you know, someone like a John Cartwright in into um, back in his day into five eighth. It makes no sense. That's yeah. not that's not what his skill set where his skill set lies. Look, so, I, I don't yeah. know what's happened to Jack, right? But um, ever since he won the Delhi M, <laughs> right? Because he wasn't that well, like uh, I think they dropped him after like one of the games at the Origin last year too, where they had him at five eighth, right? Um, 
but like he um yeah I, I, he's just he just hasn't had that mojo and you know we talked about how like uh you know the blues were like very disjointed in attack um well you know canberra have also had the uh disjointed problems too um <laughs> but um that, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, so, so he's, like, uh, yeah. I, I think, I think sometimes having a a player that runs. I mean, uh, even if you actually look at the try that uh, he scored and he did the dummy right. I mean, like, it was kind of the most. Uh, I can't believe anybody fell for it, right? You know, it, it like <laughs> it would have been the worst pass in the world if he actually threw it. So, like, I just think that like um, he is a great player, and I think he is. Like yeah, like you know, great at sort of um, having those moments, but you know, you you, I don't think you could give him the responsibility of sort of you know um, giving him you know fifty percent of your attacking chances. You know, I think if anything, you'd probably want Latrell to be in that position that you're going to give the ball to him or or even Tommy. I th- I think Jack White, and I think he just. Uh, I I do feel sorry for him because I kind of felt like you kind of picked him in a in a very like hard position for him to to do what he needs to do you know like um yeah even kicking is not really his mo which which you kind of seen i think even cam murray yeah. uh you know i think one of the um one of the forced dropouts was actually caused by a cam murray kick and not a uh <laughs> and even That's the, right. um, yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah so so look uh, yeah so i think it's more of a selection thing but look we live we learn new south Wales, as we said we we won the series it seemed to be a quite a pro New South Wales crowd a little bit. Like I think the um, when the welcome to Queensland gentleman um, said go the Queenslanders, he got booed, which was <laughs> kind of interesting for a welcome to country ceremony that, that something like that would happen in Queensland. So, and there were reports that um, when the Queensland team came out for training, they were booed by Queenslanders. So, so I, I suppose that they, they earned a little bit of respect back from their fellow Queenslanders, um, you know, in, in, in game three. So, so look, well, that um, tells you a lot about the, the, the demographic makeup of the Gold Coast being mostly expat New South Welshmen, probably, probably, probably. Or, or, but also the other, the other thing was maybe look, it might've also been ex at Northern beaches residents, uh, mm. Because there was the story of when uh, Daly Cherry Evans went up uh, to give a speech that he was booed roundly, and uh, <laughs> obviously people do not forget mm. over there the the famous DC mm. backflip where he yeah. was meant to go to the Titans. He signed a contract and everything, and then he backflipped and somehow ended up back at Manly. Mm. People do not forget that because uh, yeah, look, even though he was in Queensland, yeah, you're right. Mm. There was a the booing sort of indicated either there was a bunch of Manly fans there, yeah. or or people you know there's a lot of new south welsh new south wales support there yeah so so, so look uh, dr tell i want to ask you out of the three origin games we had in 2021 um comparing this series to 2020 did you enjoy this series more than you enjoyed uh last year's series and what was probably the the game that you enjoyed watching the most Oh, look, uh, very good question. I think, uh, look, it's going to sound obvious because we won the first two games very readily Mm. uh, that I enjoyed this series more. But there is, I do have an answer, though, that makes, look, we've won other series before Mm. and we have played well before. I don't think we've ever played from in in the whole time that I've seen every single Origin match 
since uh, I don't know the early like late 80s probably since I remember um, I don't remember seeing a more dominant performance by the blues and it was so for my mind if you're talking about if the criteria is it has to be an entertaining origin I, we've seen plenty of entertaining origin matches I look I go back to the in my mind the the golden age of uh, of a lot of the uh, you know rugby league in Australia which was kind of like the early 90s early to late 90s I think it started to get a bit crazy after the super league war uh, but early 90s I think is where we saw you mm. know like some real real fascinating dramatic uh, you know who who could forget the the game of forcings back that that Ricky Stewart had with Dale Shearer <laughs> you know, which totally random. If this happened in in uh, in rugby league live on PlayStation, you'd think it was a glitch. It was that kind of that kind of stuff that happened that you'd think that's just I, the fact I even remember that tells you how entertaining those years were, um, and also the quality of the football, obviously, and the superstars that were there. You mm. know, but I don't think I've ever seen a dominant. Uh, and let's not say it's not just about the dominance of the performance. I don't think I've ever seen a more entertaining and exciting team as I saw in the first two games this year mm. with Luai, Cleary, what they did with the back line. It got, it got to the point where, you know, when they started to announce the a possible Australian side, that there was on form, you would only have picked even maybe even not even one Queensland player. And when you compare that to what happened last year where everyone was talking about Munster being the game changer and all this stuff, and he's done nothing this year, and in fact he's been overtaken by this exciting new kind of breed of football, it's 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 very similar to what we, we heard with, uh, you know, Italy winning the soccer in the European Cup. It's, it's, it's not just the fact that they that they won, they won in a different way. And it was a more attacking, more entertaining kind of game. And it's the same here with the Blues. And I think, in my mind, the first two games were spectacular. And the second game in particular was absolutely immense in terms of uh, the way the way they played. Uh, they had a lot more pressure. The series was on the line. You know, the Maroons were snapped out of the that first game lull. And uh, even then, they still uh, absolutely dominated and uh, and we're all over them. So, you know, whichever way you look at it, um, yeah, I, I think this year has been just really special in mm. terms of uh, in terms of the Blues and and look overall, yeah, as a Queenslander, you might think that hasn't been very entertaining for me if I'm a Queenslander, but um, but I, from a Blues fan's perspective, I think uh, this is the most exciting team. That's uh, that we've put together for a long time. Well, at least in games one and two. So it really does matter what players you have out there on the field and and how they play because the style in games one and two was totally different to the style in game three. We we tried to grind out the win with an ineffective backline, and that was not our strength, and that's not that was never going to happen. So um, yeah, that's my view. But let me throw the question back to you to finish mm. this off. Uh, you know, the same same questions. Like, do you think this has been an exciting series? What do you think about the Blues? That kind of thing. Just give us your thoughts about the future. 
Well, I've got to say, um, yeah, I, I think I think last year because of the experiment at the end of the year and just everything that was happening with COVID, like um, I probably enjoyed this series a little bit a little bit more, um, just in terms of a viewing experience. Um, there was uh, there was a really there was a really big tussle in the second game right at the start, the first 15, 20 minutes, and it, it definitely had that big match vibe, right? The two teams going at it, where I felt that maybe games one and three not being at Suncorp or the Sydney Football Stadium. I think it did have a bit of an impact, actually. Um, you know, some of these boutique stadiums. Uh, you know, the atmosphere. It was it was good atmosphere. I think in both of them, but it, but it kind of. Um, I, I I was a bit surprised they didn't actually move this third game to to Suncorp. But 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 having said that, though, like yeah, so I think that was that was probably it. Um, and yeah, and I think the the, the specialness of of just the the, the first game. And how dominant New South Wales were, and and just the way they played, like it was a bit of a, a mirage, a little bit, and um, and there were there were some really good tries and moments, and I think there's going to be these moments, but I suppose unfortunately there's not like game winning moments from, you know, from from any of these three games because the games were kind of wrapped, apart from this game, the games were kind of wrapped up, um, you know, fairly, you know, yeah, sort of within sixty minutes left, you kind of. You know, with 20 minutes left, to, uh, you kind of knew who New South Wales was going to win game and one game and go on to. And I think that was probably that kind of te- I think that takes you away from the viewing experience a little bit. Um, you know, it's funny that they were running ads of um, you know menu log, and they're doing the Matt Bowen uh, Brett Kamali one where uh, yeah. you know if you remember that they you know but this time you know Brett Kamali intercepts his uh, menu log order and uh, runs away with it sort of thing like <laughs> Bowen did and throws his hands in the air, but. But it's a great moment, right? It's a great moment because that happened in the last minute, and and um, you know, I think I think uh, yeah, I, I think Origin it needs to get back to that a little bit. Um, there was a tremendous video that they shot for the New South Wales team where they named, you know, uh, how many times these New South Wales players would have seen Queensland win. <laughs> um, you know, and then they just sat there thinking, you know, just wait when it's my turn to put on the Blues jersey to win. And it was kind of, it was a great video. It kind of got you invested, right? And I kind of, I feel like they do need to get back to that as part of the spectacle. Because I think, um, I don't know, just the way they've promoted the game, the way it's sort of happened. I know everything's happened with COVID and it's been a bit difficult. Um, I, I just feel like it's it's losing its... Uh, uh, you know, it's shine a little bit, and 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 they might have to do things there. Um, you know what's? You know, I was actually thinking about this. Uh, and I can throw this over to you. Like, you know, I think part of the reason why they're able to keep the Super Bowl um, going for so many years and having that big match is because um, there's a Roman numeral attached to every Super Bowl, right? It, like each Super Bowl game on its own is its is its own story, right? And I'm just wondering whether they should actually start numbering the State of Origin games, right? So even though this is game three, dead rubber, but it's actually State of Origin game 135. Does that make sense? Like, like, and putting the Roman numerals there, you know? So like every year, you know, uh, so you count it back from 1980, you know, that was, you know, um, State of Origin I and then State of Origin, you know, II, and then you get to State of Origin four. You you get what I mean? Like, I don't know if, if, if doing something like that, just so that it, Every game on its own gets that level of importance that hey, this is the game we want to win, you know. And I don't know if you if if you could have the shield ceremony every game, right? So forget what happened 
like it's not a series. It's after the three games who's actually got the trophy. Maybe you could do something like that. I'm I'm not sure. So no, that's um, a good point. I, I like the idea. I think I think I would do it at the series level though. So I would say mm-hmm. you know State of Origin series one, series two, two or something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Yeah. So um so you know you got games one, two, and three uh, nowadays. Although in the, in the initial years they only had one game, but if you're talking about the series, yeah, you could do series one, two, three, and um, although I think, I mean, I, look, in reality, I think people do remember more the the year. <laughs> so one thing I've noticed about the Super Bowl, it's like, oh, okay, it's Super Bowl L I L I, you know, which is fifty one, which is fine, if, even if you say Super Bowl fifty one, because that's look, no one ever uses the Roman numerals. They say Super Bowl forty nine, Super Bowl forty eight. They always say the actual number, which is fair enough. Mm. But but it. But then the confusing thing there is that what year was that in? <laughs> like, mm. whereas if you sort of – and the other thing is because it goes over years, you, it's harder to sort of say – like the season starts in one year and it ends in next year, early next year. So you can't really say, you know – so if you say Super Bowl, you know, 2019, it actually relates to the season. The 2018, 2018 season. Yeah. You know, so it's a bit kind of weird – which is potentially why they do it that way, but you're right, or, or you know, potentially it's because of the marketing angle as well. Yeah, um, I think we, this is why possibly you know having it as a as a year label kind of makes sense. It's mm. State of Origin 2020, 2021, whatever it is, and um, I think it makes sense. But look, I think there's a broader issue. So I think I'm going to finish off finish off here, and then we will go on to the the next bit. But um, my view about the future is that. Uh, you know the days of uh, the state of origin games being the the biggest ticket items in uh, in you know certainly in the rugby league calendar for Australia and and also um, the you know the, the television ratings and all that kind of stuff. I think if anything we've peaked and we're going down and it's not just because of COVID and, and all the dominance by Queensland over the many years until recently. Um, I think it's got to do with more the changing demographics of this country. So even though we mm. joke about it all the time, we talk about, you know, Kalen Pong is actually from New Zealand and, you know, Junior Paulo and Jerome Luai actually from Samoa or whatever, um, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, the reality is we're going to have more and more people that uh, and especially with such a large Polynesian uh, South Pacific Islander kind of contingent in um, in the NRL anyway. In fact, a majority, which is is something that wasn't the case 20 years ago. Um, we're seeing more and more that people who are eligible for New South Wales and Queensland have other you know ethnic backgrounds or other heritages from other countries which which is why we have all these constant debates about eligibility for your country and should we only let australian players play for new south wales and queensland and what does that mean you know if you do that then you dilute the talent pool because quite frankly a lot of those people are now going to be playing for tonga and samoa and fiji and not mm. for if you're given a choice. And, and again, that's because of recent success, which hopefully will continue with the World Cup potentially still going ahead later this year. Um, we're going to see a, an increased resurgence of 
the island nations and uh, Australia, England and New Zealand, the big three, being put to the test more and more. So mm. the reality is the world is changing. The demographics are changing in Australia. Yep. And so what does, what does that mean? Well, it means that eventually, um, given the rules as they currently stand for eligibility, people will start to see a New South Wales versus Queensland not as appealing as, say, Australia versus Tonga or, you know, when, when you can get behind your entire nation and everyone's united and it's a, it's truly an Australian all-stars and all that kind of thing. So there's going to be a point where uh, – and, and also you've got people with dual – potential dual allegiances and what does that mean? Who You know, who do they choose and why? And all that's going to keep happening more and more. And and eventually it's going to take the shine off of state of origin, um, but in my mind I think it's it's about time because you know while I do love the fact that state of origin has been for so long, uh, you know every single game, especially when it's not a, a dead rubber ga- series, um, every single game usually gets into the top five or so television most watched uh, games on television whether it's pay or streaming or or free to air uh, consistently it beats all the other codes uh, along with our grand final in NRL grand final it's usually in all three games plus our grand final are definitely in the top 10 of most watched um, television programs all year um, and so they're three great products television wise bring us in a lot of money bring us in a lot of attention but at the end of the day, there's a there's a resurgence in the international scene that I think we need to put our eggs in that basket because I think that's where the future lies. Um, if we're going to, as a sport, survive, we can't rely on state of origin. Uh, yeah. It can only take us so far. So as much as I love the rivalry and I'll continue to love it, uh, you know, Acknowledging the fact that there will be a certain proportion of both teams that will uh, of of potential eligible players that will choose to to go away from Origin in to actually play for their country or the country of their of their heritage. Um, to me, that means that the international game is getting stronger, and that's where we need to be. So, yeah, Origin it's not dead; it will never die. I don't think. But I think it's reached its peak because of changing priorities in this country and changing values of the potential eligible players and just the complexities of modern life as well. I mean, the fact that we've got more and more players with dual nationalities and dual citizenships and all this sort of stuff, much, much more prevalent in in rugby league than it ever was before Mm. in terms of racial demographic makeup um that tells me that that origin if we're going to maintain its sort of relevance uh we we have to we have to keep it what what it where it was which is its focus is the hate between new south wales and queensland and it's not it's not about it's an all-star match um so let's keep it that way so you know if if eligibility rules are set in place which prevent someone coming to to australia from new zealand when when they're 14 years old and then rising up the ranks and wanting to play for queensland well so be it because they're not really queenslanders they you know if, if you've come in when you're already almost an adult a fully formed adult it's it's you'd be hard pressed to sort of argue that 
there's that kind of relevance to that individual. So I'm, you know, those debates will continue to be had. But I think, yeah, mm. the relevance of state of origin, I don't think it will die. Even if the Blues win for the next ten years, I think the Queenslanders will have enough anger that they want to they want to get us the eleventh time um, yeah. on the eleventh occasion. So. Yeah, look, that's a long-winded way of saying uh, my sort of wrap-up of saying, look, state of origin is uh, it's changing and we've got to understand why it's changing and why its relevance is changing for our society. But yeah. I, think, I think it's still relevant and I think it can still bring us so much joy. But ultimately, I think we need to focus more on the international game and, and make sure that, it, that this as a series – as a product doesn't get in the way of the actual growth of the game. Uh, we don't want it to, the state of origin to become, or the game to become uh, a victim of its own success with, with state of origin. So yeah. that's my final take on it. So Tish, I'll give you a final word and then we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think um, everything that happened with eligibility this year, and I think it's kind of been brewing under the surface for the last few years as well. And, um, but I think they're real, they're real things that we need to talk about because, you know, it's all about identity, you know, how players identify themselves, how we identify ourselves as, you know, New South Wales supporters and Queensland supporters. You know, there's, um, you know, like I couldn't imagine going for Queensland, right? And I've got cousins in Queensland who, who couldn't imagine going for New South Wales, right? And guess what? Nobody was, nobody was born in Queensland or New South Wales, right? So, yeah. but yet we identify as New South Wales supporters because, we grew up here. We see it as like like our place that we've been brought up, sort of thing. So there is, um, I do like that special attachment to it, and I, and I hope that keeps going. Um, but but I think it's like I think we've got to be more open to to recognizing that just because you, uh, you know, you are a New South Welshman, doesn't mean that you're not Samoan. <laughs> You know, it doesn't exactly. mean that you can not, be both. You can, you be, can both. be both. You, you don't have to be. It's not one or the other. And because, because it, you know, it comes down to how you identify it. I think the, I think probably what we, we can't allow is, is like sort of more the, the institutions of the New South Wales Rugby League and the QRL um, picking players who, you know, just see it as another game, but don't actually necessarily identify themselves that way. Um, all players who are like, uh, you know, you know, uh, Latrell, you know, like yeah, down the road, like they grew up in Minto, but they want to play for Queensland. But yeah, um, <laughs> you know, that yeah, kind of well, and and that's and that's what I was I was getting at is that, you know, it's look ultimately it's the Greg Inglis situation, isn't it? I mean, yeah, if you know you were born. It's not even where you were born, but you mm. you actually came from a place which is within New South Wales. Mm. And given what we know about the the connection between the land and the tribes, etc., for indiv- the indigenous peoples, you would think that that it would be it, wow. it would be really controversial. It would be really yeah. controversial for someone like Inglis to. I mean, there may be a com- more complex story there, so I'm not going to go into that because we might be way off base here. But if you just mm. look at the basic facts. It could be that you know there's a reason why he identifies more with Queensland, but he's not he's not the only one. There are others definitely where you kind of think, well, you're just saying you prefer Queensland, but really you possibly could be eligible for either. And and so that that's really the kind of thing that I'm getting at, where it's like people just saying it's like a club. 
It's like, yeah, I want to play for the Yankees and not the Mets because the Yankees are cooler. And it's like, well, that's not that's not what this is about. That's never what, what is what this was about. Um, because what what you're saying there is essentially it's like about choosing the team you want to play for, which is exactly what it used to be like before State of Origin. That was the whole point of State of Origin. It was about you know not not getting the players to just go with the 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 club that uh, you know the state that their club happened to be in. <laughs> um, it was about actually where you're from, and and it was about getting to that me- more meaningful identity and so yeah look there's a lot 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 more to be done in this space because uh, as you said the 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 you got more people from other cultures who potentially associate and identify with multiple um identities and so there's something that we need to explore with that but as i said i think um yeah origin this year definitely we saw and and we we saw this this year as well with Luai and others uh, possibly not not going to be playing for Australia, and uh, people are going to be up in arms about that if it, if it comes to that. But um, but yeah, and and so we'll we'll keep sort of having these debates. But look, overall, my summary: it was a great series if you were a New South Welshman. Not so good if you're a Queenslander. Um, I'm not sure what the results will look like in terms of uh, the ratings. We'll definitely keep an eye on that in, in the coming weeks, but. Um, another Origin series done and dusted, and now we turn our attention to the NRL, Tish, and uh, let's look at the tips for uh, what round are we up to? We are up to round 18. So here we go, our final tackle for the day, the tips. So uh, last week we both got three out of the five correct, uh, and we obviously four plus the origin. We got that wrong. Um, so that brings me to 82 for the year and you to 77. And quick one. So we got a full round uh, this time. Uh, mm. Obviously, the other thing that happened was with COVID lockdowns, all the NRL teams have now relocated, or the New South Wales-based ones, have now relocated to Queensland. So there are some that are based in Gold Coast, some that are based in Brisbane, and some that are based in Sunshine Coast. Um, I don't know which ones are which, but they've definitely sort of put out some information about that. I believe my eels are in the Gold Coast, potentially, Mm. which is, uh, yeah, not a good idea if you know what some of the eels (laughs) players get up to. But anyway, uh, be good boys. Uh, But anyway, let's see how they go. Look, Speaking of which, the first game is the Titans versus the eels. Here we go with the tips. So I'm going with uh, the Eels for this one. Uh, I'm going to tip an upset here. I'm going to go for the Titans. Um, I think I think New South Wales teams, they just mo- got there on Wednesday, right? So I think some of them might struggle here a little bit. Yeah. All right. Manly versus St. George. And look, normally I would say uh, Manly anyway, but given what I saw with Daily Cherry Evans, I was going to tip against them. But then I remembered that... Half of the Dragons teams are probably out because of the, the COVID situation. <laughs> yeah. So at the end, I'm going to end up at the Eagles anyway. So that's my tip, Manly, to, to win that one. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm going to tip Manly as well. <laughs> All right. 
pretty much a no-brainer anyway. But uh, Raiders versus Sharks, this is an interesting one because um, I don't know how well the Sharks play up there compared to the Raiders, but I just get a strong feeling that they've got they get in their act together when it when when it gets closer to the end. So, and the Raiders haven't really impressed that much. So, um, and maybe with the Whiten situation, low in mm. confidence, I think. So, I reckon the Sharks will win this one. Yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I think the Sharks uh, have been quite impressive over the last few weeks. They're on a bit of a roll. So I really can't see them losing that game. Now, Cowboys and Roosters. Um, look, home game, I think, for the Cowboys. I still think the Roosters will have too much firepower. So Roosters for mine. Yeah, look, I have to agree as well. Uh, I think the Cowboys, I think they're like on a four or five game losing streak. So Roosters for mine on that one. Storm versus Knights. Now, the Knights are usually the hoodoo team for the Storm, especially this close to the finals. But, look, I can't see, especially with Munster and, and the others, like they'll be so revved up after Origin. So I think the Storm will win this one. Yeah, well, uh, the Storm, I'm, I'm, tip, I'm tip of the Storm as well, just also because, like, they don't actually have as many um, uh, State of Origin players as you would think as well. So I think they're fairly fresh. So I think the Storm... Just able to handle any situation. All right. Warriors and Panthers. Now, again, the Panthers are injury hit, but um, I still think they'll pull through. They'll have enough firepower. Okay. So I'm going to tip the Warriors uh, in a crazy decision, but so far this year, they haven't been able to win with um, Luai and Cleary, who are both out. They've got the Origin players back. And I just think that New Zealand um, were. I'm, I'm not as off the pace as what some people think. Mm, yep, fair enough. Um, look, that could, could go either way. I was sort of, I mean, an iron about that one. Broncos and Tigers. Look, I know the Broncos won last week, but I think the Tigers will bounce back. So Tigers yeah. for mine. Well, look, this is the last, 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 last chance for them this year. <laughs> like, you know, so Tigers for me, for sure. It's it every, every year. <laughs> Look, aim, aim for ninth, Tigers. Aim for ninth yet again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then they might actually get into the eight. Who knows? So, mm. look, Rabbitohs and Bulldogs, uh, I think no-brainer here. I think the Rabbitohs are going to win this one. Yeah, that's right. Is it, is it Easter in July? Um, <laughs> the traditional Easter Friday game. But, I, yeah, the Rabbitohs just going to have too much firepower. Um, I, but I think the Dogs won their last game, did they? No, no. Maybe no, I'm, they did not. No, they did not. Okay, well, yeah. Look, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we can, uh, Yeah, are they going to win any other game for the rest of the season? Probably not. I'd say the Bulldogs. So yeah. All right. So you know they're going to have Mad Monday early, way early. I think. Well, well, uh, that's why they've got five players. Out. They kind of uh, forgot that it's only halfway through the season, right? Um, yeah. Well, it's a little more than that, but yeah, it's. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, and anyway, so that ends our tips for round eighteen. And as I said earlier, the the second uh, look, if you get if you're going to divide our rugby league year in Australia into three parts, it's usually pre-origin, origin, and then uh, final, and you know, lead up to the finals, which includes the finals. So I think this is the third phase, mm. uh, the third stage of rugby league this year. Mm. We've we've uh, we're drawing a line on uh, the the origin series we're moving on to the rest of the season yeah and this is where it all begins and this is where you're potentially going to start to see you know at least in this initial week or so after origin with injuries and teams getting back to normal 
uh, under normal circumstances, not COVID circumstances where there's the teams relocated, you would see teams getting back into a groove and revving up for the finals. So mm. look out for whichever teams are the ones that are, have the most kind of stable environment are probably the ones that are going to transition into that phase very quickly. Mm. Um, just so happens that the storm are there. But in having said that, as we go to press, the uh, Melbourne is ex- experiencing a lockdown of their own. So mm. who knows what's going to happen in future? Maybe everyone's going to be up in Queensland. But um, look, hopefully this won't affect the, the the entire NRL season too much. Hopefully the lockdowns are going to start working and we're going to start seeing some return to normality. But up until then, um, I think it is a week-to-week proposition. I think we're still yeah. in danger of something happening and a spike occurring and all of a sudden we will have to potentially uh, pause the season and have a, you know, what do they call it in cricket when there's a rain delay and then they, they come up with the, is it called the McIntyre system? No, that, that's oh, the, yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. it's called. The, the Duckworth-Lewis system. The Duckworth-Lewis system where they try to work out how many overs do they have left now, mm. <laughs> now that now that we've lost two hours of play. You know, it's that kind of thing. I wonder if they're going to do that and go, you know what, so that we can finish at a reasonable time this year, um, why don't we just, you know, take out some of the games and then just finish and, you know, start the finals when they were meant to be started. So, look, fingers crossed, uh, everything goes well. Um, This is my awkward way of wrapping up the podcast to say thank you, everyone, for listening to our rambling. Uh, Looking forward to the remainder of the season, the, the, Mm. you know, the run-up to the finals is always exciting where we start to see the – the men sorted out from the boys and the pretenders from the contenders. And hopefully my team, hopefully your team is in there, whoever you were, whoever you are listening to this and keep listening to us. Cause we'll keep uh, giving our unique views on, uh, on things, things that you won't see in the rest of the media. Well, apart from people like Mark Geyer, who just says things unfiltered anyway, but um, <laughs> we'll do our best to sort of give you our views and uh, enjoy the game and look, stay safe, everyone. But, Tish, uh, over to you to formally wrap this up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for joining us uh, for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. That's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic as we begin the journey towards the grand final. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.